Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode is about Terraform orchestration, what some people might call a taco, in which we actually try to do cloud provisioning uh, in a orchestrated way. But this is a really challenging uh, thing to do. It's really hard. And in a lot of ways, our discussion kept coming back to this isn't orchestration at all. It's infrastructure as code and management and finding a consistent way to, to run a workflow or a control plane. Um, we're not even getting to the point where we're coordinating or orchestrating uh, aspects of different systems and, and using remote or API-driven infrastructure. Even so, if you use uh, Terraform, you will get a lot out of this discussion. I hope you enjoy it. So to transition over to Terraform ecosystem and orchestration, <laughs> um, it, it, is it just me? I, somebody had told me that, uh, the name Taco. I think I was I, I did an interview with the M0 people and they were like, oh yeah, there's this, this thing called Taco. Um, that that the analysts are starting to identify as a as a category. Um, do y'all do y'all see that as a as a category? Is it as do, do you see people like getting products and saying, "Oh, I need a Terraform orchestrator," or is it? Um, it's definitely um, something that becomes more necessary uh once you once you start uh once your business starts uh exceeding a certain size so so with smaller teams like startups and so on it's typically the devops team that that manages um the, the infrastructure as well so so there's, a, yeah. there's enough overlap that it can be self-managed and, and you can you can skip the automation part of it. But once you start um, growing past a certain size, um, things get managed via, via tickets on, on requests as opposed to just just hey, I, I know I need to I need to bring up this infrastructure, let me go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, then then, then vanilla Terraform is will we'll start to, to show its uh, limitations, uh, and um, that's where orchestration tools like, like Atlantis or, or M0 and Pulumi, um start. Um, well, I mean, Pulumi is, is really not, not so much of a Terraform orchestrator, more of a competitor. It's, but, yeah, uh, it's something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Terraform for sure, um, but yeah. So the 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 challenge becomes more not so much on creating your Terraform plans, but on maintaining them and making them accessible for uh, for other people. So so so, so that I mean yeah, keep going. You you basically you. There's a need for bridging the 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 the, the, the phase where a developer says, "Hey, I, I need X infrastructure, whether that's an instance or, or a cluster or whatever," up to the point of, of saying, "Here it is." 
I mean, sure, but I mean that's there's ter- that Terraform will do that. It's it, what you're describing to me is all of the team growth problems with with Terraform. It's like if if I, I mean, even if I just version a plan and then try to redistribute that plan, if it's been in use, I'm I'm sort of toast, aren't I? Not not just that, but, but reusing plans becomes difficult because you you have to specify your backend in in your plan, and the Terraform does not let you template that. So hmm. if you copy and paste it, you risk clovering existing infrastructure. Um, th- that's one of the reasons why Terragant is so so great is that it lets you template that. Um, and then huh. the, there's also the matter of um, of access control. Like again, with, with, with a small company, like the, your DevOps team is likely your infrastructure management team, and, and they have the keys to, to the kingdom. Once you start growing and, and you need to do separation of concerns, then you, you need to say. Okay, I I don't want my team to have the, the keys to the kingdom because we don't want this responsibility anymore, and we, we we don't want to yeah. be liable for it. So you need to you need to hand it off to some other tool, whether that's Terraform Enterprise or Atlantis or, or, or something else. Um, effectively, the your your CI pipeline for for infrastructure, but. I, and this is, I guess, I can see the CI pipeline thing where you're basically setting up and tearing down all the time. If you're doing, you're not going to turn over persistent infrastructure to um, a CI pipeline. Maybe, maybe you are, and I'm, I'm not thinking of this right, the right way. Um, it's, it's not just bringing up and tearing down. It's also updates. Yeah, and this is I the thing that you were saying with this that just made me frankly shiver was this idea that if you took a Terraform plan that you'd been using and modified it and then reapplied it, like you yeah, you could end up in a really seriously bad state. Oh yeah, yeah. Like should I mean, we be, should we be caching? And and ah, oh, so like for the stuff that we've been doing, we'll we we'll run the Terraform a Terraform pl- template. We templatize it, run the plan, store the state file, on the confidence that we could recreate the 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 plan from the template. But if you update that template, then you could conceivably be rerunning it and be in a really bad state. Yep. Ah. Uh. I'm I'm wondering if we should be saving the templates as part of like here's the run, you know if you're going to reapply or um, destroy because you could you might be in a case where you can't destroy correctly because the template doesn't match and I've seen I've seen that mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't want to have to. It, it strikes me as really bad to store the plans. Um. But maybe maybe that's a good safeguard. Um, yeah, I mean, 
versioning your, your, your plants is, is definitely necessary. Um, yeah, so right, Terraform, Terraform's, uh, Terraform is, is great for, for upgrading your infrastructure forward. Yeah. Uh, rolling back or, or, or undoing changes. Um, it, it still has its rough, rough edges on that. It's getting better. Yeah. Um, bigger right. issues tend to be around uh, more like dependencies. Um, like, for example, if you use the the Kubernetes uh, manifest uh, resource, um, you need to have a cluster already up and running because it, it will not it will not do a dry run for you. So okay. you need to start splitting your um, your plans uh, on, on configuring dependencies. Uh, so it, it starts becoming more difficult to do things in, in a single pull request. Um, right, that makes sense. Would you go back to the same plan for that? Like, would you um, take a plan and then say, oh, now that I've done the, 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 then this apply, I'm going to take the same plan and then stuff in another set of resources? I mean, that, that seems counter to the, the, the whole graph design inside the plan. So the, the, there's two ways you, you can approach this. One is by, by having different plans. And, and then you say, okay, I have one plan for my, uh, for my cluster and another plan for the Kubernetes resources that are defined in the cluster. Uh, the other approach is to do resource targeting. Resource targeting? Yeah, when you do a Terraform apply dash dash target and, and then the, um, basically the, the name of the resource, you can you can tell Terraform to, to only do the apply for whatever you're targeting. I've never tried that. That's cool. Okay. Uh, it, Terraform will warn you that, that you're doing partial, um, partial apply. Um, and as far as the Terraform documentation goes, they don't recommend it. <laughs> um, it but yeah, it, it largely depends on on on, on whether you on, on 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 what stage you are. Like if you if you again if you are if you're running the the, the Terraform plans yourself, then resource targeting is 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 simpler. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. if, if you're handing this off to to say Atlantis or or or, or Terraform Enterprise or, or some other tool, um, then it becomes more difficult to to pass those parameters in arbitrarily. I and this one strike. I mean, I, I just pulled up Atlantis on the screen, but. Um, yeah, having something else run Terraform for you based on what you're saying strikes me as super handy and also sort of scary. Um, I mean, maybe maybe I'm not 
thinking about it the right way or I mean, maybe it, people it, are using Terraform and just hitting the same plan over and over again? I, I mean, using Atlantis is, is not that much different from, from running Terraform yourself. The, okay. the, the only difference really is that uh, you have uh, an audit trail of what you did in your pull request. Hmm. Okay. Well, and there's also a runner, right? I'm assuming, right? When you're doing when you're doing Terra, this this is this becomes the orchestration piece, which is really a Terraform service. It 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 is a self-hosted runner, yes. Oh, so, self-hosted. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so you you run the Atlantis server, um, you configure your webhook to 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 call it, uh, and then your data server does it for you. It's, it's self-contained. Interesting. So then you could use that to solve some of the security problems you were naming initially, which is injecting credentials, not allowing everybody to have access to your, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you can you can limit also like the firewall access to, to your runner or, or service account access. Um, I mean, you, your runner service account then becomes the owner of, of the resources. Um, but it because it's a service account that no end user should have access to, um, it adds one more degree of separation there. So, so you can you can monitor the access to, to the runner credentials basically. One of the things I saw, I, I've seen and heard with Terraform um, Cloud is right. It's and it's like Travis or any of the CI tools. There's a um, there's runners, and so you've got a limited number of runners going through, doing the process, that, and they're limited size of that. Like, I, was it no somewhere is on the DevOps and Lemons chat um, talking about refactoring a plan or a state file because it had gotten too big for the the orchestrator to to run hmm. um which sounded that gave me nightmares that night um <laughs> manually editing a state file made me uh, just just seems dangerous um yeah. i guess better than a big binary blob but but dangerous I haven't I haven't hit that edge case. Um, okay. But again, I, I'm I I am personally uh, in, in the camp of keeping things small and compartmentalized and anatomic. So mm -hmm. um, I, I would likely not hit that. Uh, but yeah, I, I could. I mean, the, there is a significant performance requirement on, on your runner to to run these plans and, and apply steps. Particularly if, if you if you crank up the parallelism, yeah, I know that like with uh, Ansible Tower, one of the things that that I've I've heard, um, you know, parallelism for Ansible Tower is a is a is a big deal, um, and and they it has to be controlled. So if like if you told them told Tower to hit a hundred machines and it would it would have to spin up a hundred, um, I don't know if it if it does a hundred workers or if it does one plan that then has to hit under machines, but that could take a long time. 
can use a lot of resources because Ansible can be pretty greedy. I mean, if I I don't know if Ansible Tile does anything fancy in, in the background, but uh, Ansible itself is, I mean, it, it has a a limit on, on its concurrency that, that you can conf configure. Yeah. Uh, that's that to me is one of the uh, brilliant things about Terraform from a use starting use case. You don't think about it very much for the first you know couple of machines you start spinning, but when you start using it in big environments, that concurrency issue creeps up really fast. Um, and that's what I'm like. I'm looking at these, you know, something like this with Atlantis, um, and wondering about. It's not exactly orchestration. Maybe I'm missing something. It's it's orchestration from like the pull request, you know, the the, the gating process. But it's not saying I'm going to run a plan and then do something after. Or am I, is there something else that I'm missing? Well, I mean, it will it will run the plan. It will create a lock for it. It will store the, the output of it. Right. Uh, so it. It it automates the good practices around planning and applying your Terraform uh, changes. Okay. Um, you still need to go through the pull request motions. You, you still need to configure your pull request to not be mergeable uh, when when your pipeline fails mm. um, on all the stuff. Yeah, but I mean, so but what happens when there's a failure? This is this would be true of any of the tools, right? What's what happens when there's a failure in the plan apply? Um, when there's a when, when there's a failure in, in either the plan or or the apply, um, you it it gets treated as a failed um, CI pipeline. Okay. So you you need to, in the, in the case of Atlantis, uh, you need to rerun a plan um and of course if the failure is in the plan you, you need to commit changes and then rerun it okay. um if it, if it's the failure is, isn't apply it it depends uh, <laughs> but like if if it's a transient failure you still need to run plan again and, and apply again if, if it's a um if it's a permanent failure you need to fix it before you go for the second apply, yeah, uh, and and you basically rinse repeat. Um, the nice thing about Atlantis is that it will, it can uh, dynamically determine uh, which uh, what changes you committed to, and particularly when, when you when you mm. maintain multiple plans at the same time, it, it it can tell that okay, five out of these fifty uh, plans here have changed. And it will only run run the plan for those. So, oh, that's yeah. Oh, if you have a whole bunch in a in a commit, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, shoot, so I hadn't even I haven't hadn't even thought about the issues of yeah. No, if you have three or four plans in a commit, only the ones that change should be reapplied. Yeah. It, it it will help with the horizontal scale of things. Um, oh, I see. What, what did so? One of the things. So we're with, with digital rebar. We've been doing this. Um, we build a, a plan template. We run the we run the template. Um, we've actually been creating the machines as part of the template 
execution. So we'll do a, a post exec hook. And when Terraform creates the machines, we create the machines in digital rebar and then finish the configuration path like it continues the pipeline. Hmm. But the thing that has me terrified in some cases is the, the potential destruction of the state file. Like, and, and so like at least, at least with the pattern that we're following, we're creating machines that are like, oh, here's a cloud machine that's running up a bill. <laughs> um, you know, I know it's there. I, you know, we're, we're starting to track like it's cloud identifier and things like that. So you could, you could figure out that the, where it is and what, it, you know, delete it. But the idea of losing the state file makes me nervous. Yep. Um, yeah. You still need, need to protect your, your state um, versions, hmm. buckets, and, uh, and locks for, for accessing it. Would you actually version the state file? So if you keep running it, you would you would be able to roll back a state file. I, I would use the I use bucket version, yeah. Huh. And it's it. I mean, it, it it becomes like a black box version, but but essentially, if you ever get to the case where you need to roll back a state file, treat as DR. So. You're gonna go through the the the, the versions anyway to, to determine which one is the one where you broke things. Uh, so might as well version from the from the first uh, from the get go, and, and it's much better, much easier huh. to, to roll back to the previous version than, than than it is to have to uh, like spoon fed your your state file from from what you think you currently have. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're making me think about a use case that we hadn't considered at all, which, which would be every time you run the apply, you know, don't just store the current, right? Right now we, the template comes in, it's all infrastructure is code, so it's locked in, which, yay, that's great. But if you change the parameters, you could end up with a different, a different plan because it's templated. And then the state file is associated to that. I'm starting to wonder if I should be storing, you know, the each run. Hey, here is a static file of the plan that was run, and here's here's the static plan that was generated. The, yeah, the plan and the state file. Store those as a as a snapshot. I would not necessarily store the the plan alongside the state file. I, I see I, I see why it would be convenient. Uh, I don't think it's necessary personally if, if you keep your plans first. Uh, I mean I could see it's it's not like we're you just we're putting them on a fork where you can go back and easily recreate a plan. And some of the plan stuff that we do is heavily influenced by machine states. Which you know, um, I guess you could see them being. You could you could try to recreate it, but it might be might be hard to recreate what happened. Yeah. Um, on, on the other hand, um, I mean, your your plan tells you what you want, 
So I think it's, and, and, and your state file tells you what you have. So, yeah. Um, I mean, rolling back the, the state file is really only when, when, when your state file gets corrupted um, or, 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 or clobbered. But, but if I ran that back, but but if if I had a corrupt, if let's, if I get into a place where my state file is corrupted, um, then the plan that I was using, the template, the plan template that I was using, I'm, I'm going to assume that's also bad. If I was going to roll it back, ideally, I'd go back to the last one that worked. Because otherwise, I'm going to have to be figuring out how to recreate. That, that's assuming that the that your that your plan change is what's caused the corruption. Sure. Uh, in, in many cases, I've, I find, however, that corruption is most like more likely to happen because of other causes. Whether that's like. Again, like somebody accidentally covers the, the state file or or accidentally migrates it, or you, you didn't have a lock, so you have two concurrent executions uh, overriding each other's changes hmm. and things like that. Um, when, when, you're, when your state file changes because your plan changes, that's a change that you wanted to make happen anyway. I should it, it I agree. I, I just am thinking if there was a mistake and I wanted to roll it, I wanted to I don't know, maybe it maybe it's over. Maybe it's overkill. I I I, I would not I would not uh, do a rollback on, on on mistakes. I would do a roll forward. Like yeah, again, uh, assuming that 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 your 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 state is not corrupted, and and your state should not be corrupted because you made a mistake in in your in, in your plan files. It, I mean, your, your state might have changed, and you might have accidentally deleted something, right. but it's not like you can roll back your state and 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 infrastructure will will come back. <laughs> that no, that would be nice. <laughs> That would, that's true. No, it's, uh, and this is, I'd like, I'm, I'm thinking through this use case and it makes sense. We haven't seen issues like this because the way we do, we don't have multiple writers for the state file. So the, the state files aren't getting corrupted um, from that perspective. Um, the bigger concern would just be they'd be deleted altogether because w- the way we're doing it is there's one you have, you, you don't, have a runner for the, the sorry a person is not running the state file you have digital rebar runs the state file runs runs terraform for you in a context and so it pulls the state file it's the only thing that has access to pull that state file um, and then it's going to be the only thing that can update it after it's done with done with the state changes so I'm not as the locking is not as much of a concern. I used to I used to do it that way. I used to have the designs where were to stuff it into an HTTP server and store it like that, and uh, that turned out you know it, it was fraught with peril from exactly the types of things you're talking about, where anybody could re- retrieve it, potentially change it. Um, it's it. I guess when I step back from a lot of this stuff and think about what these tools are doing, a lot of them aren't really doing, you know, 
certainly not from an orchestration perspective. They're they're running it. I don't I don't they don't exactly strike me as orchestrators. And maybe I'm mm, no, no. Um I I I would I would treat them more like um like database migrations than, than with the orchestration. Like a schema, like a schema uh tool? Yep. Oh yep. goodness. Nice analogy. We used to spend it's you know, I, I I like that analogy on a lot of levels because schemas, right? Destructive changes to schemas are destructive in the same way that that these infrastructure tools are. You delete something, <laughs> you delete destroyed data, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're very schema, right? It's the implementation, but you make schema changes to it, just like when you make schema changes to a plan, it's it could rewrite your table. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, I mean, I haven't played with those tools like that in ages. Um, I remember every time I looked at one, I would rewrite it, but that's going back a decade or more. Um, wait, so so on that tangent, do you, are there good SQL migration products nowadays for schema maintenance and stuff? Um, <laughs> I, I guess that... The- that depends on your uh, on your interpretation of good. Okay. Um, like, I, I, I think part of the problem is that, um, I, or at least in, 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 in my experience, the, the, the bigger issue is getting developers to adopt migration tools from day one. Yeah, that Ruby was amazing for that because it would actually build your schema schema migrations. Are you are you talking about, about Rails or um... Rails? Sorry, Rails. Yeah. Good distinction. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I didn't use the I haven't used the the, the Rails uh, migration tool, but there's another tool um, called SQL uh, for for Ruby. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I love that one. Hmm. Uh, Here's the link. Right. I mean, it, 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 it is very Ruby-centric. Jeremy but, Evans. Uh, oh, my goodness. I think I know this tool. Yeah, I mean, th- yes, I've done this. Um, I, I, boy, I spent, like, I used to maintain this stuff for our team. Um, yeah. So and, and I'll, it I'll, is so hard. <laughs> it, it it is it is very um, very flexible. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I found that it um, and, and yes, it, it 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 was hard for for some cases, but it uh, it was good at enforcing. Uh, a, a good sane baseline for for changes. Yeah. And, and I, the, I, mm-hmm. the, the thing say, that's I, amazing to me is that we like as much as we know this is a problem. I don't. The, the infrastructure stuff is not thought of at all 
from that type of migration methodology. No, no. I, I, I mean, to this day, database migrations in, in are, are still difficult. I mean, the, the, yeah. you still have the question of like, like, do you want to automate the migrations when, when you when you run an update? Do you want to keep the migrations out of band? Um, how do you handle the, the dependencies or like your application and then migrations? And, and that is something where, where I tend to butt heads with, with developers very frequently is that I am rather opinionated about how uh, applications should handle migrations just to, to minimize downtime on mm-hmm. but uh, but I realized that it uh, it causes significant extra workload for the developers. It's the the SQL stuff is really hard because of the denorm denormalization mm. in in the systems because and, and maybe infrastructure has the same you know pain points. It's like all right when you build a Terraform plan, it's not like you're just saying give me five machines. Like the plans that I've built for Rebar, I could pull some up, but they're like one every cloud is different, <laughs> yep. and um, and then. It's like, oh, and by the way, I had to have a VPC. So when I defined the VPC and then I had a firewall rule set and then I had a SSH, like all those things are resources that have to be then managed inside of that, that graph. Like in the, I'm doing Linode stuff and with Linode, I actually am like dynamically creating stack scripts and those don't always get cleaned up correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's... And and but from a I'm sorry SQL migration perspective that would be like having table you know columns in a table that now are um, left over orphaned in weird states. Yeah, the difference though is that leftover tables in, 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 or columns in, in, in a database don't cost you as much as leftover infrastructure. That's right, or create security vulnerabilities quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and that's I, one of the things about Terraform plans cleanup strategy is, right, if you have the state data and the plan is not changed. Yeah, actually, from that, what happened? If I was to take a plan and delete stuff out of that plan and I had state data that matched the resources, it's going to, no, Terraform will blow up. Terraform will tell me that I have state information. I think it'll tell me that I have state information that doesn't have a resource descriptor. Uh, are you saying so? So yeah, so it, it, it will, it will recognize that your plan has changed and the uh, resources have been removed from your plan and it will attempt to destroy those resources. Okay. Whether it will actually succeed oh. in that is a different story because a lot of times there's dependencies or there's chicken egg uh, problems with, with, uh, with the state data. Uh, so you have to be a bit careful with when removing things. Okay. Kudos to Terraform for having to deal with that. Um. Right. That's I, it's funny. I don't I don't normally think of the, the that side of the state file of if it has surplus resources and your plan doesn't call for it, that it's smart enough to reconcile, reconcile out. 
that is actually one of the recommended ways of destroying infrastructure in, in Atlantis. Um, what do you mean, uh, just remove, setting yeah. the plan to empty? Yeah, because Atlantis doesn't really have a destroy um, capability. So what what you do is you, you you prune your resources from your plans, and you end up with an empty plan that has no resources, and, and Atlantis will um, say, "Okay, I removed the stuff that's not in the plan." You you you're left with a state file that's empty and, and, and a plan that's empty, but um, in the end, um, what what you have is the equivalent action to to a, a destroy. Oh, that's an interesting way to do it. Right, you still have to have your resource, your resource uh, block, or your credentials block, provider sets of uh, providers block, I guess. Um, huh. Okay, so instead of ever running plan destroy, you just basically set a plan that only has the cloud credentials and nothing. And it says, uh huh. Yeah. I know what to but, do. But you need to be careful again with with, with dependencies because. For example, if you if you have a plan that has, um, let's say, uh, a Kubernetes cluster on, on the Helm chart that you install in the cluster, uh, do, doing apply works fine because Terraform, Terraform will wait uh, for your cluster to, to exist before creating the Helm chart. Doing stuff the other way around, however, um, is not necessarily in, in the same order, particularly when, when you when you just remove the resources. So you might end up deleting your cluster before you can dis destroy your home chart. And then yeah. you end up with, uh, with resources in, in your state that, that uh, shouldn't exist anymore. So you need to taint them. And, <laughs> and that to me is orchestration. Um, how does, I mean, I would be super wary, and I just haven't tried it, of doing plans or um, Helm charts inside of a plan. I, is there is that a material benefit to you, or is it just um, the, the runner I, of choice? I only need one Helm chart. On, on, uh, that's my uh, GitOps tool. Okay. Oh, I see. So once the cluster is built, you have the the GitOps. Yeah, and, and then everything else is just handed off. But but uh, well, actually, it's the GitOps tools and, and and the CRDs that 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 tell that tell what what install. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I mean that that's if i weren't if i were not do, doing that i would have to do terraform for infrastructure and then say ansible for for the rest and, and i mean might as well just do it all in terraform makes a lot of sense that's cool all right i have well, I have more questions. I have less time <laughs> looking at the clock. Um, this has been really, really interesting. I, I feel like we were talking about Terraform orchestration, but you know, of, of these tools and what I've played with, the, we're still doing just provisioning. 
I don't I don't think of them as orchestration. Um, I'm sure I'm sure that these the individual vendors would would tell me how wrong I am, and I'm, I'll 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 accept that. Um, I know, like for what we do at Digital Rebar, we don't we don't actually call it we call it pipelines and workflows, but not orchestration. Because to me, orchestration means something um, slightly different. But hmm. um, I, I think what what is missing to make it orchestration is the continuous aspect. Oh, okay. And, and that is something that I, I wish or it's on my wish list for, for, for Terraform or, or, or any other product that, that deals with this is that we have the, we have now the capability of declaring our, declaring and applying the, the state for, for infrastructure based on, on what we have in our code. Yeah. But we don't have anything yet to prevent drift. All right, I'm going to think about this. I, I, I'm capturing it. I don't know if you're watching the screen. I'm capturing continuous infrastructure automation as a um, topic for the 14th. Um, that's a near and dear to my heart because I've been doing research on, on continuous versus standardized versus other things. So cool. I and mean, on, on, on this kind of steps into the Kubernetes, or at least mm -hmm. the, the, the cloud provider Kubernetes uh, territory, uh, given that, I mean, that's, it, that is one of the advantages of Kubernetes. Like you're, if, you're, if one of your node dies, your cloud provider will replace it. And, and hopefully you have sufficient redundancies in, in your application that you don't even notice that happened, uh, or, or then you're monitoring. But... Um, yeah, you don't have that one level above it. Still. Yeah. Now this is this is where I might I might pull in um, what crossplane from that perspective. Okay, cool. That makes a good placeholder. So we'll get there next week. Distributed infrastructure. The week after that, we'll do secure development practices. Now we're three weeks scheduled again. Awesome. Hey, go. this was class fantastic. Um, I, I love comparing notes with about Terraform with you. Um, I think we covered some really good stuff. So thanks. Appreciate the time. Yeah, well, Talk to you soon. Likewise. Well, and thank you for listening. There is no doubt that Terraform has had a dramatic impact on our industry. Um, and yet the tool itself is so far from really creating the scalable, uh, standardized industry automation practices that we so desperately need. I hope you'll stay with us. Uh, we're going to keep talking about how to fix this problem, how to improve and reduce complexity in data center operations. Thanks. And join us at the2030.cloud. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put 
operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.